more than 30 parables in the Gospels which Jesus the teacher you know revealed or rather used to teach uh, his hearers I say at least because I also understand there could be more than that which you are not yet recorded so to be generous with the fact that at your own personal time you could meet the parable which we've not covered today I would love us to walk through at least one the understanding of what is a parable its interpretation and its purpose then afterwards we will look at four other things which entails this sermon then we'll be good enough to go home so what is a parable a short simple story designed to communicate a spiritual truth religious principle or moral lesson a figure of speech in which truth is illustrated by a comparison or example drawn from every day experiences a simple story which compares earthly matters to spiritual truth it should be noticed that necessarily a parable is not the same as an allegory allegory is whereby now every item and thing in the analogy must represent something so we realize that a parable more of is a teaching aid if we can simply put it but it is using earthly easily relatable things for us to learn a spiritual principle a heavenly truth so what about the interpretation to understand a parable it is necessary to have at least the knowledge of the historical background setting of the story the political social geographical and religious circumstances at which the parable was spoken like this parable how farming was done in palestine or hebrew culture is key because there is a setup of a field a farmer and and the farmer doing what broadcasting the seeds not like today we have a tractor plowing a piece of land then we make the lines the furrows then we do the seeds in the current in the old days they used just to have a field of land broadcast the you know the seeds and when it is nearing to you know the time to have rains they go and plow now the shamba and wait for the seed to germinate and harvest now why did Jesus use a parable first to illustrate first to fulfill the old testament prophecy we see that Jesus spoke all these things to to the crowd in parables he did not say anything to them without using a parable in most occasions so was fulfill what was spoken through the prophet and i quote i will open my mouth in parables i will utter things hidden since the creation of the world we see that in matthew 13 34-35 and also I will open my mouth in parables I will utter hidden things from of old that is illustrated in Psalms 78-2 and we also see elsewhere in Isaiah 
whereby Jesus with that prophecy whereby Jesus they will come a teacher will be using such way of teaching the second reason why Christ necessarily used parable is this when asked by his disciple why speakest thou unto them in parables Jesus answered and said unto them because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given Matthew 13:10 to 11 now that's Jesus answering them now referring to the disciples that these things that I speak are mysteries to them but to you you have the revelation the understanding and why should Jesus use a parable i mean a mystery and he's addressing a thousand people or plus belt up we continue believers read the parable and accept them with faith yes we do understanding because of their minds are spiritual now it is bringing in an aspect of where there is a transformation for the disciples in this case which is indifferent to these other people who are also sharing in listening to what Jesus was saying so unbelievers refuse to perceive and understand God's truth because their minds or hearts are hardened i on the same page non believers they won't perceive this not necessarily because they cannot perceive it else we see they have eyes to see they have ears to hear but they do not so you realize that the hardening in this case it is that a, judi- a judicial kind of it in the sense that someone has chosen not to consider the truth someone has chosen not to take care the consideration not to probe further and see the essence of the teaching that Jesus is bringing on board and just to illustrate the same point of hardening the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay and so the very same gospel message that humbles the honest heart and leads to repentance may also harden the heart of the dishonest listener and confirm that one in their path of disobedience i mean we see the sun can wax it can melt the waters but it can aqua clay what will happen to it it will harden further so you realize that necessarily the parable conceals truth from those who are either too lazy to think or too blinded by the prejudice to see it puts the responsibility fairly and squarely on the individual it reveals truth to him who desires truth it conceals truth from him who does not wish to see the truth thus the parable spoke to the crowds do not simply convey convey sorry information nor must it rather it challenges the hearers to put in effort to consider to think about these things and of course elsewhere it should be in philippians we see a chapter talking about the many whoever's if something is true something is holy something is right 
think about these things. So it is a challenge for an individual the way you are going to see. To think about a parable. To consider the truth in it because it is using the relatable things on earth to paint a heavenly truth and principle which is so necessary to this human being listening to that message. So, to my first objective, we would love to understand the parable of the sower and the concepts of the seed, the sower, and the different grounds. And the first thing that we are thinking about, who is the sower in this case? Who is the sower? Your neighbor could give you an answer to that. Who is the sower? Who do you think? You know, it is an invitation for us to think about this thing. <coughs> Who is the sower in this parable? And be careful if I know your name. <laughs> two answers, one from this side. One, two, three. Anyone? Another answer from here. So guys, yes? Your neighbor said what? Yes? People who spread the gospel, any other thought? That's what your neighbor said. And what did she say? Anyway. <laughs> so, essentially, from a general point of view, we see that it could appeal to the people who spread the gospel. But these people who spread the gospel are also sent by the honor of the gospel. True. So that hardly I could say the sower in this sense, it is the very unseen God who sends his word. And at least, although the soil is not identified in the parable, John 3, 1 to 2, Jesus is seen as the teacher. And Mark 16, 14 to 15, the sowers are the disciples who Christ had commissioned. And in Acts 8, 1, 4, those who were scattered during the persecution of the first church by Paul. You remember Paul was a persecutor of the church, went about preaching the gospel. So in this sense, we see the disciples, we see Jesus, and we see the first church when it was persecuted. Men went and spread the word of God. And this directly appeals to us because in 2 Corinthians 5.20, so we are ambassadors for Christ, God, God, God making his appeal through us. So God, the owner of the seed, makes appeal through man. Though he's not limited because everything we are told in the scriptures talks about God. Including this building the way it was designed. So it is God making his appeal through us. In this context, they ask the other apostles. We beseech you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. 
So whoever is making the initial call is God, using men. So God is the sower. He sent forth his word to heal us. He sent forth his word and it does not return to him void. It accomplishes its purpose despite the nature of this soil. And we're going to see that in a nutshell. And the seed, of course, is the word of God. We see that in Matthew 13, 19, Mark 4, 14, and Luke 8, 11. Christ is sending people to spread the gospel. What they've heard, the mystery of the gospel. That Christ came to this earth. He died with men. He lived with men. He identified with men. He went on the cross. He became sin. He was trampled upon. He was persecuted. Spat on. He was buried. On the third day, hallelujah, he rose again. Christ in the book of John. Who became flesh in verses 14 of chapter 1 in the book of John is the very Christ who resurrected is the very Christ who men draw nigh to him and they get what? Salvation Christ himself was initially the word of God rather the, the fulfilled promise, promise of God, even a promise is of a spoken sense from him who sends it, God himself and of course, we see the aspect also of the soil. What is the soil in this case? The hearts of men. And we see that in Matthew 13, 19, Mark 4, 15, and 8, Luke 8, 12. And of course, in Luke, more specifically, we see that the devil takes the word away so that they may not hear and be saved. So the different Soil that we see in this case represent who? Different men, their attitudes against the very word of God. And of course, we see birds also used in Mark 4 15, Matthew 13 19. And the devil takes away the word of God, lest they hear and believe. So, but in this case, of course, we see they are painting the devil, or rather they are being used to represent the devil. Friends, what can you see? Say, me mkose kwenda kuku, kwa mkose kwenda kula kuku, kwa sababu kuku ni ndege, na ndege hapa natumika kama shetani, kuiba wadia God. That is the danger we carry if we pick every aspect of a parable to represent something. But in this case, that's what it is used because it is picking away the word. The very seed which was on the pathway. And in First Peter 5.8, we are reminded against this that we be sober-minded and watchful for certain prowls around seeking someone to devour. Praise be to God. We see who is the soil, we see who is the seed, we see the sower, who they are. Are we together? 
Let us now do a diagnosis of these types of soil and perhaps look forward to see which kind of soil you are. Anyway, I think so far we are in a position of trying to think. Are we in a position to tell your neighbor where you don't go in a gun? Do you want to share your goals? And I'm sure neighbor with this so far, I'm not sure, like, I look forward, man, I trust in it. So number four, three, the soil, the hearts of men, and how they behave with the word of God. The first one, let us look at the wayside path. The Bible says, or rather in its meaning sense, we see that the wayside path was the path where people walked and nothing could grow because the ground was too hard. That's true. And we can see it even in our own homes and villages. Home, Shamba neighbor, you hear a Jacob fence. Okay, so you was say, Oh, I'm sorry, you may not relate. Some of us are Bontao. No, Tonirex, Tonirobai, Sasakaja, Sakaja. Like in the village, there are pathways. People walk, right? And they are hard enough not to grow anything there. And what does this mean? As the birds devoured the seed on the wayside, Matthew 13, 4, so some received the word with the hardened hearts and the wicked one, the devil, snatches away the son word. The word has no effect because it never penetrates and is quickly taken away. Praise be to God. Like that's the knowledge. Some people receive the word of God, but they are prejudiced. They don't give a thought to this. The wayside soil represents those who never really hear the word with understanding. The word of God must be understood before it can truly bear fruit. One of Satan's chiefs work is to keep men in darkness regarding the understanding of the gospel. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 3, 3 to 4. The gods of this age have blinded men. Praise be to God. So when our hearts are darkened to the point and hardened to the point that we can't consider the word of God to understand it, this is what happens. We are likened to that pathway seed which never grows. Rather, the word will be taken away. The seed will be snatched away. The stony, rocky places is where the soil was thin. Lying upon a rocky shelf. So on this ground, the seed springs up quickly, yes, because of the warmth of the soil, yes. But the seed is unable to take root because of the rocky shelf. I mean, it is just a carpet of the soil. The rest of the place 
cannot be penetrated. A plant, we remember osmosis, we remember roots in, in, in science, you know, plants. You remember that roots have to go down to the soil for the sake of one support, for the sake of nutrients, for the sake of what? Three, water. And all that. So, this seed that fell on the rocky places, the shelf of the soil, the thin layer can't allow that process to go through. So what happens? To such kind of a person, when tribulation comes, when persecution comes, they flip away. They are knocked down. They're not like Jesus and say, it is written, Satan, man will not worship any other God. Such a person has no root of that sentiment. So when this thing and suffering comes, they are swept away. This is the nature of the soil being painted here. So the question is, how deep are you in Christ? Lest I'm talking to the soils out there in Makongene, not really coming down to you. The question that we ought to be asking ourselves is here, how deep is my roots in Christ? How firm are you? Are you rooted the way we encourage in Colossians 1? And of course, the third kind of soil among the thorns described soil that is fertile. Of course, that's why we have thorns growing there. But they don't need nutrients, they just grow, regardless of the soil. Perhaps too fertile, because thorns grow there as well as grain. So some respond to the word, yes, they do, and grow for a while, but are choked and stopped in the spiritual growth by competition from unspiritual things. So the word of God is gross, but it is facing competition in this kind of soil, this kind of man and kind of people. The soil represents a vital ground for the word, but their soil, but their soil is too fertile because too fertile because it also grows other unnecessary things, the thorns. And of course, these other thorns that you're talking about, that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word of God. So where do you fall? I mean, there's a question. Are the pleasantries of this world competing with the deposit of the word of God in life to the extent that you are choked and you are unproductive? First John 2, 15, 17, the word of God says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, pride of life, a material and anything that makes you feel umefika comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desire pass away, friends, but whoever does the will of God lives 
forever. So the quickening in this context is believers can fall under this temptation to have thorns in their lives, to have unspiritual things competing for their attention in their pursuit of Christ and Him alone. And lest you come to that place like Paul of counting everything as dung, as nothing, as waste for the sake of knowing, loving, and living for Christ, you will be choked. This is what is here now. And of course, my prayer is this ground that I must see by should be here. But before I go to this last kind of soil, a preacher, after moving a sermon in a certain church and calling for the altar call, there comes this young man, lady, if you like it, and someone in the congregation had noticed this guy attending the church maybe once in a blue moon, once in a year or twice or thrice. He's like, speaker, you love to still pray for this guy. Rather, the guy says, God, fill him not, we know him. Fill him not. He leaks. Think about it. Simply put. Is it unnecessary for us to receive this word of God because it is only going to leak outside? Because it is only going to be choked outside? Good ground describes soil that is both fertile and weed free. A good productive crop grows in the good ground. Now this is someone responds rightly to the word and bear fruit. This only represents those who receive the word and it bears fruit in their soil in different proportions. Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Though it has a generous harvest. This is the good soil. This is someone who considers the Lord, the Lord rightly. Like Ezra, he sets himself, he sets, he sets all, she sets herself. To seek the law of the Lord, to do it, to obey it, and to teach it. This someone who seeks this law for it to sanctify them, for it to work in their hearts, to turn their lives around. We benefit from seeing bits of ourselves in all the four soils. Personally, I do benefit. One, the ways that sometimes I am or I come to a point of allowing the word no room at all in my life. In stony places, sometimes we have flash.
sources of enthusiasm in receiving the word of God quickly, but it burns out. And sometimes, like the soil among thorns, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of, of, of the riches are constantly threatening to choke out God's word and fruitfulness. But finally, like good ground, sometimes we bear fruits in 30 fold, in 60, in 100 fold. You could be then, you're like, preacher, why 30? Why 60? Why not just 100? The 30, I represent myself on your CBR. I'm a 60 mtsemu nyuwa kamu Wenezi fellow yaji kwa tisiyu Na 100 ya mtsemu nyuwa na kamu Izi vitu zote The picture the word of God is painting Of this good soil Of this kind of a believer Is the picture of productivity Is the picture of you Giving out your life being a representation of life of repentance. The picture is, are you able to look down your life and say, indeed, God is working? That's the question that we meet here. And friends, you could be here, you're like, I mean, who is this ineffective God? who just throw the word, the seed everywhere and about. Why can't he just focus with these guys who are good soil? And in the same way we go to preach even out there, we desire all men who will reach out to hear the gospel and not only to hear, to consider it. It is the very generous view that God has that all men may be saved. That whoever listens and hearkens to this call may come to Christ. But of course the encouragement to us is this, that when we go out at least, there will be always men who will consider the word of God. Yes, we see it. Different people receiving the word of God in different sense. Yet God is able to save some who believes in him, who listens to this word, who questions their lives against this. That is the generous God who is not ineffective in his way. And perhaps when he sends his word, it returns back to him having accomplished its purpose. But even more than describing the mixed progress of the gospel message, the parable of the sower compels the listener to ask what kind of soil I am and how can I prepare my heart and mind to the right to be the right kind of soil. This parable invites action so that we could receive the word of God to full benefit. 
What is the action point? And as I conclude, these are some of the things that you're going to look at. What is the action point for you and me? But first, what hinders you as a Christian from accepting the word of God? What does? And one of the reasons is we fail to examine our our hearts against the word of God. We fail to listen. In the same breath, the pleasures of this world, like we see in verses 19 of Matthew, the unbelief and the prejudice and self-righteousness, the cares of this world, like we see in John, 1 John 2, 5, 15 to 17, Satan, like the way we see in 2 Corinthians 4.3, blinds us and we fail to see God. These are some of the reasons. But how can one become good soil? And the invitation is rather the opposite of the first thing that I've said. That is listening and understanding and doing. And this can only come when we consider how sweet the word of God. There is in Psalms 119 and Psalms 19. Sweeter than honeycomb. The way we can just understand the goodness of meditating upon the word of God. Verses 8 of the book of Joshua chapter 1. That we may come to a place of hiding the word of God in our heart. That we may not sin against the very God who sends it to save us. And of course this should be met with a cry of sanctify me, O God, by your word. Your word is truth. Your word is the lamp unto my feet, the light unto my path. Yes, that is the way to cry to God and to give ourselves to this. And of course, this does not just happen when you're busy 24 hours watching the movie. It starts by you waking up to seek transformation. Romans 12, you have to wake up and set your mind to obey no one else but God. That we may be renewed by his word. It comes by us abiding friends. That is the action point. And of course it comes by us being rest assured in Christ's sovereign and caring hand. Who became sin. Who knows our friend that is weak. And is able to do with it more than we can when we surrender to him. That is the action point for you to trust this high priest. Better than Aaron. Oh dear saints like Ezra. How I plead and persuade us this day. That we will set and purpose in our hearts to study the law of God, to obey the law of God, and to teach it because that is our mandate 
is narrated evangelistic team that we've been reconciled with God now we are the ambassadors of Christ and how much it is benefiting when you are see we are seeing these fruits and you say you seen the fruits of the working of God in your life to go out and testify and say I've tested the goodness of the Lord and guys you're missing it come to Jesus why because you've tested you've lived it how can one become a good soul set yourself colossians chapter 3 to the things above things on the right hand side of god christ himself who is the riches and the riches of glory how can you be a good soul out your own works you can't trust in the savior I've been given that more minutes just to emphasize on this point. <laughs> I repent my sin. I have 5 minutes to be out of this place. What is the importance of understanding and embracing the word of God? But friends, let us give ourselves to challenge each other to attend Bible study. to attend fellowships that's how you grow to listen to men giving their testimonies about what Christ is doing in their lives you could be a first year and there is this precious bash that these guys were meeting for ps not bs the same time on tuesday evening between at least 7 and 9 pm Tell them no me I'm not going for the PS I'm going for the BS Bible study fellowship where you will consider the whole counsel of God I feel like saying it again how can you be a productive believer by like Jesus in this book of the law I shall not depart it shall not depart out of my mouth rather I shall meditate therein day skia day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success not just success way prosperous attend malizie What is the importance of understanding and embracing the word of God? Of course we see in this parable that you will be able to give fruits 30 fold 60 100. All this happens when you're rooted in Christ. And Colossians 1:9 says this friends For this cause we also now this is Paul after hearing a very good report from Epaphras about what is happening to this church in Colossae. So the guy passes out and say what is doing about this church how they pray for them. From that report he say for this cause we also since the day we had it we not cease to pray for you. 
and look at the content of the prayer because and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light the will of god friends that we may be filled with the wisdom with the power of his marvelous greatness so what do we see for you to give forth fruits you have to be rooted in Christ that's the main thing that's the prayer of Paul and it's the very prayer that I speak in our lives today and pray even for myself that i may be rooted because when you rooted the important is you will bear fruits and remember you are not the son of this world of this world you're not the child you're not the lady of this world you are sis christ and christ is mine forevermore and we ought to hear that even more in our classes that morning 7 am monday by the nikesho cal class class you are able to bear fruit and Ephesians 2:10 says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we may walk in them the importance of understanding and embracing the word of God is that we will bear fruit true is that we are walking as obedient children because Christ called us into a fold of holiness of righteousness and this one he has said in Ephesians 2:10 that he ordained way before holiness is not coming it is not like being made yesterday because everyone around you is going for you know doing nonsense things overnight and all that holiness it was set beforehand for you to walk in because according to Corinthians you are a new creation and another important friends look at that glorification Christ is in his word that he has gone to set a place for us look at that final day the life of eternity let it be a motivation as one of the importance of you to hold on to hold fast your confession and how can we live as good soil as required of us by Christ another moment for me to reemphasize what i've said earlier personal fellowship we see this in hebrews and they who forsook the fellowship what happened to them they suffered a shipwreck of their faith Acts 2:42 The Bible says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer 
that is how you can keep yourself in Christ. That's how you can live this good soil. By living a life of repentance, him who sins, he has no sin in life. And when you confess your sin, he's able to justify you. He's able to forgive you. He's able to set you free. And you see that his love is so great, as high as the clouds are away from the ground. So is the depth and how wide his love is. And look at the impact of this love. The impact is this, as far as east is set from the west, so has he separated us with our sins. The more reason to walk a repentant life and follow him. Trusting God for he who call us is faithful. And we see this in Hebrews 4.12. The aspect of us just holding our confession. The aspect of us knowing that our frame is weak and we ought to follow Christ. The aspect of us living in repentance is ways in which we can pursue to be good soil as required by Christ. Friends, what is the Lord reminding you today in this place? That you may be like him. Like that you may think about your life and ask if indeed you are born again and if indeed you're going to heaven. Christ is inviting you to know that you ought to be the good soil. And the journey of sanctification could be hard, but you have to hold on. Why? Because you agree with me that Matthew chapter 9 has told you that him who puts his hand on the plow looks back not again. An analogy of a farmer and the plowsman and a fatazile ngombe as they plow. And I pray that this word today, it plows our hearts even further. To know him, to behold him, and sure enough, be encouraged despite the places that you are, that him is faithful to keep us. He is faithful. This is the encouragement. And this word should not be just a rebuke to you. Also, pick it as a correction because he corrects us, because he chastens them that he loves. And you are among them. And you could be angel like preacher, not born again, friends. The way is the cross. Believe this one. That Christ is the Savior of the whole world. And you will be saved.